Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's Voice of Reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. President Biden has made it very clear that he will oppose any cuts to Social Security. Of course, he did that to the cheers and jeers of Republicans and Democrats in Congress at the State of the Union. But back in 1995, then Senator Joe Biden actually bragged about what he was going to do and what he wanted to do with entitlement programs. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. So there you go. Now, this is not a gotcha moment for the, for the president. Uh, as the president said, again, this was 1995, wasn't the first time that he had called for Social Security reform. Uh, before that, the president actually, again, as a senator, helped Congress make cuts to the program back in 1983. So, again, this is not about a political gotcha moment that, oh, this is what you said 20 or 30 years ago. This is something different. Can we get past the headline? Because it seems like the president has some valuable experience that Americans actually need right now. So can he meet the moment and make Social Security solvent again? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're really pleased to have uh, on the show today Andrew Biggs, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. He studies Social Security reform, state and local government pensions, and public sector pay and benefits, and has a great piece in the uh, Washington Post with his colleagues James Capretta, who we've had on this program before. And again, this is not about what the president said 30 years ago or 20 years ago or any of that. It's we have to have a conversation about this, and it seems like the president has some insight that might be helpful if he's willing to step to the moment. And, uh, Andrew, we appreciate you joining us. Give us just kind of the lay of the land of where we really are. What is the conversation we need to have around Social Security? Hey, well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be with you today. Well, we do need to have a conversation about Social Security. It's underfunded by more than $20 trillion. The the Social Security trust funds will run dry for a decade. At that point, unless we make changes, benefits will be cut across board by 20% or more. So this is a this is the biggest federal program, it's the biggest tax most Americans pay, it's the biggest source of retirement income. So we need to have a substantive adult conversation about how we move ahead on that. Today I don't think we're having that conversation. You know, the president has taken a political stance. He'll oppose 
any benefit cuts of any kind. He said he would only raise taxes on people earning more than $400,000 per year. Mathematically, it's possible for that formula of political pledges to fix Social Security. So something needs to change. What Jim Capretta and I pointed out in the Washington Post today was that the president actually has experience doing that. He voted for the 1983 Social Security reforms that contained both tax increases and benefit cuts to make the system solvent. More recently, he was the Obama administration's point man on Capitol Hill in 2011-2012, trying to come to a big budget bargain with congressional Republicans. The Obama administration agreed then they would reduce cost-of-living adjustments for Social Security recipients. So this isn't to say there's any you know, single reform that is, that is what we should do or what we shouldn't do. What we're saying is that in the past, he has shown the flexibility to get the job done, to cut the deals, to actually make the, the program solvent for the future. Yeah, and, that's, and to me, that's the important thing. And, uh, and I appreciate you pointing out that, look, if, if we don't do anything, uh, it will go bankrupt. And if we don't do anything in the in the near term, we're going to start seeing those just automatic 20 percent cuts, which, again, is going to hurt the poor and the most vulnerable the most. Uh, and so take us take us back. Uh, we'll go a little back to the future here. Take us back to 1983. Uh, give us a sense of some of the players and uh, what had to be negotiated and how we might use that as part of a model, part of a solution for a better conversation today. Well, in 1983, Social Security was just months away from running out of money. So it really was a crisis situation. What happened then was then President Reagan put together a bipartisan commission. It was headed by Alan Greenspan, who went on to become the famous uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve. It had all the sort of key players in Congress involved. Um, and they they kind of you know cut a deal, and it wasn't perfect for anyone. But they said, okay, we're going to speed up a, an increase in the payroll tax that had already been um, agreed upon. They said we're going to increase the retirement age over a 40-year period. We're going to impose income taxes on retirement benefits, which is essentially a, a, a means test. They said we're going to reduce cost of living adjustments. It wasn't what anyone wanted, it, it was, but it was how the sausage is made. It was messy and ugly, but the result was, instead of Social Security going insolvent in 1983, its solvency has probably been preserved till sometime in the early to mid-2030s. But that's a huge achievement for Americans, but today the parties are locked into what are really political positions. Democrats say we won't have any benefit cuts. Republicans say we can't have any tax increases. Well, if you can't have tax increases and benefit cuts, the only thing you get is insolvency. So we need to all grow up a little bit and and start doing the things that that President Biden was able to do on Capitol Hill. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and so so important it is. It is when we get mired in the political battle of it all, and both sides raise 
millions and billions of dollars in campaign cash off of these of you know images of grandma being pushed off the cliff or you know whatever you know pick your pick your political poison for the day uh, and that often keeps us a safe distance from having the conversations that need to be done. Uh, I love then you pointed this out in, in your piece, uh, the players that all came together there for that 1983, which, as you said, really made sure that Social Security was solvent for decades after that. And you had Tip O'Neill and Patrick Moynihan and Bob Dole. So you had these big name heavyweight Republicans and Democrats saying for the good of the country and for the good of those who are counting on this system uh, let's let's do the right thing now. Fast forward us a little bit uh, to 2012 uh, because there was uh, there was an opportunity there, and again, President Biden uh, was the point person. He was involved in what could have been something significant. Yeah, in 2012, the Obama administration and congressional Republicans were trying to come to some what they call a grand bargain to reduce the budget deficit, and we're looking at a whole variety of things. Again, it was the sort of deal you patch together between parties with different perspectives. One of the things they agreed upon, reducing cost of living adjustments for Social Security. And it, it, this wasn't just an arbitrary cut. It was actually shifting to a measure of inflation that most economists think is actually more accurate than the one they're currently using. So the Obama White House had agreed to do this. At that point, default was with Republicans that they uh, refused to go along with the tax increases that had been part of this deal. So it wasn't the Obama White House's fault that that fell apart. What we were trying to say is, you know, this is how deals get made. Everybody agrees Social Security reform has to be bipartisan. Okay, if it has to be bipartisan, you're going to have to agree to things you don't really like. Republicans are going to have to agree to some tax increases. Democrats are going to have to agree to some benefit cuts. But if you work together, you can make those changes work so they keep Social Security working as a, as a safety net against in old age, that we don't bankrupt the government in the process. You know, this isn't rocket science. What they need to do is stop having unrealistic promises and start working on plans that will actually make the system solid. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, uh, we believe in being uh, equal opportunity offenders and equal opportunity commenders when, uh, when they get it right. Uh, and this is an area, and I love the way you concluded your your piece in the Washington Post, that President Biden actually has an opportunity to be and do what President Reagan did, save Social Security. I think that's a pretty good thing. Uh, and I think he has the experience and he could lean into that. But he's going to have to convince those around him that they might have to lean away from just the political uh, positioning of it all uh, and do the thing that's better. And Republicans are in turn are going to have to do the same thing and say, do we just want to score political points or are we really interested uh, in solving the problems for the American people? So as, as you look at this rolling forward, uh, what are you watching for as any kind of hopeful sign or possibility that we're going to have the right conversation when it comes to Social Security? Well, you pointed out all these big names who were involved in the Social Security reforms in 1983, Bob Dole, Tip O'Neill, Pat Moynihan. One reason they are big names, that we remember them today rather than forgetting them like everybody else, is they, in fact, came together to cut that deal. Mm -hmm. We do have a, some encouraging signs. There is a bipartisan Social Security reform bill that is you know, in the works on the Senate side. Um, you know, it's it, it's not what I would consider to be a great plan, but it, it, but anything where people start working together is, is an encouraging sign. The simple fact that we're talking about this problem now 
is encouraging. It gets people thinking about how important this program is to people and all the different options we have for fixing it. We've known really since about 1990 that Social Security needed to be fixed again. And yet year after year, Congress kicks the can down the road. And it's not because we don't know how to fix it. It's because they don't have the political courage to do something. Uh-huh. So this could be a legacy issue for the president to be chooses. Yeah, absolutely. And it is that political courage. Andrew Biggs, again, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, great insight as always. And I think the walk away, the takeaway uh, for members of Congress, if you want to be remembered in history, I guarantee you, you will not be remembered for that really pithy uh, tweet you put out today or that social media post or that social media moment that got you on cable news. If you want to be remembered in history, do something significant. And there's nothing more significant than saving and making sure Social Security is solvent uh, for those who are counting on it. Uh, Andrew Biggs, again, thanks for joining us. and We'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.